Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Abigail Robson, a 2007 graduate from the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. In this episode, you'll hear how Abby grew up around ships and knew she wanted to join the Merchant Marine from a very young age, her struggles adjusting to the military lifestyle at Kings Point, how her priorities evolved and changed both at the academy and during her career, and how she ultimately decided to pivot away from sailing towards a new career as a pastry chef. This episode is a lot of fun, especially as Abby dives into the ways in which she's been able to transfer her skills from sailing to baking. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Abby. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you tell everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? I am from Kent County, Maryland, on Maryland's eastern shore. I went to the United States Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point, New York, and I graduated in 2007. Awesome. And to start, can you give everyone one to two lines about who you are? So I am now a pastry chef and kitchen manager at my local bakery. And uh, I, that, that's who I am today, what I'm doing. Being awesome. Yeah. And crazy, because you went to the United States Merchant Marine Academy. Yeah, so. and I sailed for <laughs> over 10 years. <laughs> so I'm very excited <laughs> to hear how we got to pastry chef. So we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but to start, let's go back to the beginning. When you were deciding where to go to college, uh, what made you choose a service academy and what made you specifically choose the United States Merchant Marine Academy? Well, so my dad went to Kings Point. He graduated in 1973 and he went and sailed afterwards. He went the tugboat route generally, um, but ended up going on to um, more than just like towing. He went on to ATBs, which is articulated tug and barges, which are kind of like mini ships. They're tugs that fit into a notch on the aft end of a really large barge and um, they lock in and it looks like a ship with a really tiny house when you see it on the water. Uh, so I grew up being able to go and visit dad and um, he, it was at a time when you could bring your kids to do things. So he took me on a few trips when I was little and I just always loved what he did. And I went into my high school years really thinking that that's exactly what I wanted to do. And I knew where he went and I said, that's what I want to do. So I tailored my high school career to target Kings Point and to get into Kings Point. So I didn't really have um, a desire to go to any of the other service academies. I was looking at uh, Kings Point and I didn't particularly want to do a state school. So. Interesting. So your dad graduated in 1973 which meant that was before women were even allowed yes. at the academy. So I'm definitely curious to hear how he felt about that. He was stoked. He was very proud of me. He um, obviously as a guy who would bring his little girl with him on, you know, big tugboats and barges and uh, expose me to all this stuff. He never shied away from having me do boy things, you know, quote unquote boy things. Uh, and especially since I was the kid, I, I have an older brother, I was the kid who interest in sailing and being on the water and, and all of that. He was like, yep, go for it. Uh, mm. it, was, it was my mom who was a little more uh, worried about the environment and um, the challenges that I would face. Uh, I mean, she knew that I, I could do it, but she was also worried about it because when they got married, she went with him and she worked up and got her maid's license. And uh, so she knew what the culture was like. And mm. uh, so um, she knew how hard it could be. So, so let me just, so she got her mate's license? Yeah. So she got a 200 ton, 200 mile offshore uh, mate's license to, uh, you know, and towing endorsement to work on tugs and uh, she sailed on her own until I was born. Wow. So it sounds like maritime is like a huge thing in your family. So it wasn't totally left field, obviously. Yeah. 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 Um, 
and and you definitely had some level of understanding of what you were getting yourself into. Which, I did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so what about the maritime industry really caught your eye when you were growing up? I don't really remember how old I was. I think I might have been twelve or thirteen, and my dad was away for Christmas. But he was in the Delaware Bay, which is not too far from where I live, and called home and said, we're going to be at the dock on Christmas Eve, and we're going to shift down to another berth the next day. Would Abigail like to come and stay on board for Christmas and be with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I went, you know, I, he was the captain, so he had a bigger room so I could stay in his room with him. And um, I remember being on watch with the mate and we were just going down the river and there was a full moon and one of the, we were like going under one of the bridges and it was all lit up and just beautiful. And I was just kind of chilling out with this dude who was, you know, obviously nice to me because I was the captain's daughter, but so I could go on deck and help out and be a part of things. Things changed in terms of safety standards after that, but really being out there and it's, it's a different kind of communion with nature because you're on this huge piece of machinery moving oil or rocks or generally it was oil for my dad and seeing nature around you but also seeing what man makes in nature uh, is just can't I can't really describe it but that's really kind of it was a pivotal moment for me being like I want to do that mm. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you again when that happened? I think I was 12 or 13. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. Before high school, for sure. Wow. Huh. That sounds, well, I mean, the way you described it, I have a very vivid picture in my mind. So um, it sounds beautiful. Um, yeah. So pretty much that was kind of the moment where you're like, I want to do this. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So it sounds like you really, when it came to where you wanted to go to school, you pretty much narrowed it in. Um, yeah. Now, was was it a struggle for you to get in, or was it pretty straightforward? It was pretty straightforward. Um, the two areas I had issues with were um, I wasn't super physical. I mean, I played sports, but I had trouble. I had to train a little bit to meet the, the um, physical standards. Um, and I you know, definitely sought help and worked at it before I even went to take a PRT. But I, you know, I, and I did fine, but it was a little bit of, you know, work for me. Mm-hmm. And the other aspect was I, I remember applying to two senators and my congressman. And I, I think one of the senators rejected me and I was a little shocked at that. But I mean, obviously I got it and I got in. So, yeah. um, but I thought that that was, it, Maryland is a very competitive state, so that yeah. was part of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of people that come up there from Maryland for sure. So, yeah. and with Annapolis right there, like the service academy situation is pretty well known. So, um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Like, so the Naval Academy didn't even go on your radar though, even though it was right, right there. No, and interestingly that's where my dad had wanted to go because he sailed dinghies competitively and he wanted to be in the Olympics. And that was the better sailing program when he was applying for schools. So he wanted to go to Annapolis, but his eyesight wasn't good enough. So they were like, how about you go to Kings point? And he's like, okay, fine. I'll go there and sail. And, and he ended up getting into the industry Mm. instead. So interesting, huh? So I went to a tiny, um, they called it college prep, but tiny um, private school, tiny and by, I mean, 130 students in the whole school. Wow. For, wow. for high school. Huh. And they prepped for like small liberal arts colleges and they'd never had anybody go to a service academy. And Fascinating. I, was the, huh. I was the first one. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Huh. Yeah our school choices around here are a little limited. It was, it was that or boarding school away or the local high school, public high school, which wasn't fantastic. Interesting. Huh? Okay. Well, okay. So tell me, you know, 
So you knew what the maritime piece was going to be like to some degree. Um, yeah. But did you have any concept of what this military part would be like for you at the Merchant Marine Academy? Very little. I had very little um, idea of the regiment and, um, and, and it is very convoluted at King's Point because we have influences from all the services and it's, yeah, it's, it's just not super cut and dried as like I think that the other service academies have because we've got like gunnery surgeons who come around and do whatever they're doing. And, you know, Marine Corps colonels who are company officers and ex Navy and, you know, all of these people from different services who kind of come to Kings point and put their little service mark on there. Um, I, I really had no idea besides like wearing a uniform and marching in formation. Yeah, and then you have the USMS, the US Mystery Service, roaming around in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's confusing. It can definitely be confusing. It certainly does not seem as straightforward as the other academies, for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting, though. So you had no real like insight into that too much. Um, you just knew you wanted to go be in the Merchant Marine, and the best school to go to is the Merchant Marine Academy. If, yep. Right? So that makes sense. All right. So you get in, um, and uh, so tell me, did you, did you make a trip up there or no? I did. I did a sailing recruiting trip because I sailed dinghies in high school. Um, so I connected with the sailing coach there and did a recruiting trip and sa- stayed with a sailor. And uh, Did you like the school when you went up there? And also, that must have been a little insight into the regiment piece. Like, How did that feel to you? I feel as though I didn't get a whole lot of exposure to the regiment when I was there. I, I think that the girls that I was staying with probably insulated me a little bit. And cause I don't remember going to formation. I don't remember. The only thing I remember is going into Delano and being like, Oh, big mess hall. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember going to sailing practice and talking to the coach and, um, yeah. yeah, I don't think that that trip really gave me a good uh, idea of what the regiment would be like. Yeah, and you know, the dinghy sailing team is part of the waterfront, and the waterfront is kind of like this safe haven with no regimental stuff going on most of the time. Yes. So, um, yeah. so that makes sense. If you were there with the dinghy sailing team and you were down at the waterfront, why you probably wouldn't remember the regimental stuff too, too much. Um, yeah. Did you did you like the academy though? Did you do you remember feeling good there, or was it just kind of like you're going there, so it doesn't matter? <laughs> I think I remember liking it. I remember thinking um, it was bigger than I thought, and you know the grounds are beautiful, and I was um, pretty excited about the proximity to New York City because mm. I come from a very small town in a rural area and didn't have a lot of city experience. So I was very excited to have that access. Um, I didn't realize that Plebe year would have been so isolating, <laughs> yeah. but I do remember liking it and thinking that it was going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, you obviously weren't turned off by it. So that's, you know, cause you went there. So, uh, (laughs) um, okay. All right. So let's dive a little bit into your time at the Academy. So to start, um, if you had to sum up your time at the Academy in one word, what would it be? Worthwhile. That's a good word. Yeah. Okay. Um, so tell me what that means to you. So it means it was definitely hard. Um, I, I was always a good student. I never really had to study if I paid attention and this has always been how I learn is if I pay attention in class or any learning experience that I have, if I pay attention, I get it. But, uh, so that actually served me poorly when I had to start studying for license because I had to teach myself how to study uh, at the end of senior year. But, um, so I did fine with grades. Um, I did sail for the first two years on the dinghy team, but, um, I found it was just too much. You know, I was gone from the end of class on Friday until late Sunday night, sailing all weekend, and then had to pick up and do everything that everyone else was doing, as well as 
sailing for three hours every day during the weekdays too. And, and it was just, it was just too much. So I, I stopped sailing after my third class year. Um, but you know, you definitely knit together really close friendships because of where you are and how much you're exposed to everybody and the similarities that you all share. Um, so worthwhile to me means that the academy was very difficult at times, but, and very difficult, but I, when I think of, think back to would I have gone there if I could go elsewhere, I would not have gone elsewhere. Hmm. Gotcha. So I think we'll, we're definitely going to hear more about that, but, um, okay. But let's just, let's just dive into it a little bit here. So, you know, so tell me about that first day when you arrived and I, cause it sounds like that was really your first introduction to like the regiment. So tell me about that. Oh, um, I remember walking away from my parents with like, all right, see you guys, and going into, I think, O'Hara. And after that, they, they, they rush you through certain things. They give you bags of things to hold. I remember after they sent you through this long, circuitous route through multiple different buildings, you're standing on the grinder holding shopping bags full of your gear for hours. I remember a long, long time people were screaming at you. I don't remember much about the first day, but Indoc was really hard for me because I didn't necessarily realize that it was a game. Mm. Um, I took everything very seriously and the people screaming at me and you must sleep at attention with your rifle. You know, it's just like, I really tried to do everything that they told me to. And um, I got very, very tired because I wasn't sleeping well. And I wanted, I wanted to quit during Indoc. Mm. I actually went to my company officer and I was like, I don't think this is for me. I really thought it was, but I don't think it is now. And he's like, wait, wait, tell me your story. And I told him my story. He's like, this is for you. This, this all right now is, is a game. Get through the game and then you can get to the real stuff. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, I got that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's I. I just knowing like how passionate you were about the maritime industry and that whole piece, um, but not really understanding the whole regimental piece. I could see how that would be a total shock, and also yeah. like a I need to get out of here. This is not what I want, right? Because you, unlike yes. many people that go to the Merchant Marine Academy, you, I mean, your interest was in sailing. So this must have been like right. totally left field. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's what he said. He's like, you know what comes after. He's like, this right here, this not, this is like, this is temporary. You can get through this. He's like, try to get some sleep. Don't sleep at attention with your rifle. Actually sleep. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he really, he could see me, uh, like see who I was and where my where my goal was. And he said, don't worry too much about what's happening right now. You have the future in mind and the right future in mind. Just keep going. So that sounds like it was a turning point for you to kind of stick it out through NDOC and make it, make yeah. it to the end of that road. Um, so, so you got through NDOC obviously, but, but then you entered the academic year. So, which is still, you know, obviously there's still a regiment of midshipmen and a lot of stuff you have to do as a plebe and all that stuff. So, how did all of that go for you? I don't feel as though I had too much trouble during plebe year. We're hit with all of these, you know, military regulations um, of like no fraternization, which I was like, well, why? <laughs> <laughs> Not that it was a, an issue, but I just thought a lot of the rules I would like think a long time of why is this rule in place? Um, and I just did think like, I was like, all right, I'll square corners. I'll salute every first class that I see or whatever it was. And, um, I don't remember really having too much trouble during plebe year. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. 
it sounds like you just had this like bigger picture of like what you wanted to do and all this stuff at the academy which is like what okay all right like i just want to learn about the maritime industry (laughs) yeah go go sail why do we have to do all this other stuff yeah 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 yeah. um well so what was your goal did you know whether you wanted to go deck or engine Uh, definitely deck I, i always knew deck um so i was a ship's officer uh so i got my qmed as well um and can you explain what that is for listeners uh, the qualified member of the engine department endorsement. It's not a license, but it is like you have to take tests and get qualified. Um, and so it, it allows you to serve as like a pumpman or a QMED on ships in the engine room as um, it's kind of a mechanic type of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's like a halfway between an unlicensed and a licensed engineer. So it, I, my thought was, to be a better deck officer, I needed to have at least a basic understanding of what's going on in the engine room. Mm -hmm. So that would make me a better deck officer. So you did that while you were at the academy, you got this endorsement. Yeah, it was a program that they also, there were three deck majors and that was one of them. And um, yeah, I just decided to do that because they didn't have a dually, well, not that I would go dually, but they didn't have a dually program anymore. Then this was their, answer to not having a dually program was yes. decky decky with a QMED. so yes a dually would have been like you got both licenses which when yeah. that existed at the academy that is just insane i can't even but um okay so you you got this you you decided that you wanted to be uh, a deck major um become a ship's officer on the bridge navigating all that stuff but you also got this engineering um component so that was the goal. And I know at the Merchant Marine Academy, you kind of lock into that pretty much right away, your plebe year. Um, so before we get into the details of what you decided to do post-graduation, let's start with some of the highlights of your time at the Academy. Okay. I mean, number one highlight is license, passing license. I mean, I have not, I'm not married, so that might be better like your wedding day might be better, but the feeling you get when you find out you've passed license there, I've never felt anything better than that. Hmm. You know, it's the culmination of four years of really hard work and this week, very intense testing. And if you pass all in the one go, which I did, it's an incredible feeling. So that's the number one highlight. Yeah. Um, I also had a really pretty great first class year. because I decided I loved Broadway shows (laughs) (laughs) and I spent every weekend I could going to Broadway shows, which was fantastic. Would you say that sailing on the dinghy team was a highlight or no? It was not. I, Mm. it was work. I, I had some fun here and there, but, um, I just felt obligated. Uh, I felt obligated to the team because when I came in, I came in with a couple of other girls who were recruited for sailing and they were very excited to start a women's dinghy team. And um, so I was part of the women's dinghy team and there were, I think only four or five of us, which is the whole team. And you need everybody to sail all the time if you have that few. Um, Mm. So I felt obligated to the women's team, which I didn't want to be. And I also felt obligated a little bit to my dad because he expected me to sail the whole time and be a good sailor. And, um, Mm. but that, that's just what I felt. That's not necessarily what he really felt, but that's what I felt from him. Yeah. Um, so when I made the decision to stop, it was a relief. Yeah. That must've been tough because it sounds like you had been sailing for quite a while in your life. Yeah, I mean, I sailed all through high school and, um, you know, before high school, just in the community. And um, so it was, it was really hard. I thought that was part of my academy experience. And mm-hmm. it just turned out that it was not the right part of my academy experience. Yeah. So when you decided to leave the dinghy sailing team, did you decide to do anything different? 
I thought about it, but I decided to give myself some time. And when I gave myself time, I liked it. So I just kept giving myself time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't actually do anything else. I, um, I don't think I even participated in any club sports. I just would do things like I would actually go out and, um, like go into the city on the weekends and, um, just be a human instead of be completely absorbed by the Academy. Mm. Smart. <laughs> Smart. Uh, so, okay. Okay. So, so were there any other highlights or memorable moments you want to talk about? There's just a lot of little things, you know, all of those, all of those times of camaraderie and hanging out on the deck that you live on and just being with the people that you're there with. That was definitely a highlight. I mean, there's always going to be people that you don't enjoy, but memorable moments. There were a lot of hard things. You know, I, my, my best friend left after third class year. And so that was really hard, but then second class year, I found a new best friend and that was wonderful. Mm -hmm. So we were really tight and, um, yeah. you know, all of, all of cadet shipping is memorable. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I want to hear more about that for sure. Okay. Were they positive or were they more low lights for you? Uh, some were positive. I mean, I really, I really enjoyed certain moments there when I, so my first shipping experience, my best friend was my sea partner and the third mate on the ship was just graduated from SUNY and he was just a great guy. And so we hung out all the time and we would go out ashore and that was just, fabulous and I love some of the places I went to like I loved Dubai and um but a lot of lowlights too I mean the the ship that I went to Dubai on the chief mate was not a wonderful person <laughs> mm. you know there were some really not pleasant experiences that you know I still think about today like when I was sailing so to get the QMED you have to sail as an engine cadet and so one of the ships I got on, I went down to the engine room first day I got there to go meet the chief engineer and the first engineer. And the chief engineer didn't like King's Pointers, so he didn't want me there. And the first engineer didn't like females, so he didn't want me there. And at one point, I distinctly remember going into the engine control room and, you know, not supposed to being there, be there, just like going to ask a question. And hearing the first engineer tell the QMED that I was working with, just get that girl out of my engine room. And I'm like, oh, wonderful. So this is where I am. <laughs> oh, uh. yeah. So, you know, just, just stuff like that. That's not, I didn't have super bad experiences happen. Um, but just, not yeah, but that's so tough. I mean, that's so tough. Your father introduced you to the industry. So obviously he, you know, the perception that I'm sure you had was that women belong there. And, yeah. and he always it probably created a really welcoming environment. And because he's the captain, everybody was very welcoming to you. And here yeah. you are now a cadet on a ship by yourself. And to be received like that, um, I mean, that'd be hard for anyone. But with the context and the lens that you're coming from, I mean, I could see that being like really tough. Yeah, because I, I definitely grew up with the men around me, and I grew up with a lot of men, um, you know, always thinking women belonged everywhere. Women can do anything that they put their mind to. And I, that's, that's the mindset that I was raised with. And then coming in and thinking, you know, realizing that others didn't see that. Yeah. Now, were you the only female on your ship? Or were there other females as well? Generally, I was the only one. At that one, I was the only one. Where did you go during your sea year? It was mainly Northern Europe and the East Coast of the U.S., Gulf of Mexico, and the Middle East. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so your cadet shipping time, I mean, it sounds like you got to see some really cool places. Um, you had a few low-light experiences where you met some people that didn't want you there. Um, but overall, how did you feel when you were done with your, with your shipping time? Did you feel good about sailing still? 
I did. I I definitely saw deep sea as a less uh, hospitable environment towards a, a woman uh, than near coastal or inland shipping. And uh, but I definitely saw how lucrative it was is, and um, I really did enjoy the farther distances and being completely out at sea. So I was, I was a little torn, but I also did really enjoy my, my experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you enjoyed your time at the Academy for the most part. I mean, you had, you know, that kind of moment where you had to leave the sailing team, you know, see there were ups and downs. Um, Academically, did you do okay while you were there? I did fine. Wasn't outstanding, but I definitely kept it over a 3.0 for most of the time, or I think all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, I didn't excel, but I, I, I wasn't worried. <laughs> yeah. So were there any major lowlights you wanted to talk about? During third class year, you know, I was having trouble balancing everything with the sailing team. And I knew that, so if you leave between third class year and second class year or any time before that, you don't have to pay back anything. But if you leave after that, then you either have to pay money or serve in some way to pay back the education that you got. And I knew that there was that break. Um, so I, I seriously considered, uh, you know, I was like, no, what, what was the right path for me, whether I should just quit and pause pipe or continue on in the academy. I said, no, I really do. A degree is important. Pause pipe. Explain that just so people know. Um, it's just sailing unlicensed and studying on your own and getting sea time and taking the tests on your own mm-hmm. and getting a license not through an academy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I decided that the academy was worth it and I needed to stay. But when my best friend left at the end of third class year and I went back second class year and was felt very alone, I had a really hard time until I found my other best friend um, and then felt more at home. But yeah. it was really hard to, it was also hard, it was hard because I didn't know that she was going to leave and she just left and she told me the day she was leaving that she wasn't coming back. Yeah. So I felt a little abandoned. Yeah, so. that's tough. That is tough. Um, yes. Throughout this time at the Academy, what were your interactions like with your dad as you were explaining your experiences? Well, I have discovered now as I'm getting a little older that my memory is really bad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. his he couldn't really tell me what his experiences in the regiment were like partly because he was always sailing. So, you know, that was his life. He loved it and he never felt an obligation or felt like it was work. So, you know, he was always gone. And when I'd ask him about if he had trouble with such and such, he go, I don't remember. I don't remember anything. You know, he's like, I remember sailing and I remember taking classes and that's basically it. I was like, Oh, well, you're a lot of help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't think I really talked to him a whole lot about my shipping experiences. Either dad was away or I would just want to talk to my mom because she and I are very close. So I would um, really commiserate with her and talk about whatever I needed to talk about with my mom. And how did she feel? Because you said that, you know, she was also dab, she dabbled in the maritime industry as well. So she knew and she had reservations about you going so to the academy. So what were her thoughts on that when you were having issues and stuff? She was always very supportive. Um, She would always tell me that I could get through anything that I put my mind to. But if I really wanted if I need, if I needed to get out, she would get me anywhere I was. She would drive, she would fly. Like, she was like, if you need me to come, I will come and get you. Uh, but she was always like, but you can do this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's kind of the best of both worlds, right? I mean, she's supportive, but also, you know, yeah. 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 So, um, 
So what do you think like the key lessons you learned at the Academy were? I think one of the key lessons that I learned, and I knew this, but it was definitely drilled into us that, um, you know, you may, you may come from a previous place where you exit as the highest, but when you come in at the bottom somewhere else, you're at the bottom and you have to learn from every, all those above you. So like you, you come in having been a senior in high school and then you're just a plebe and you have to learn from everyone else above you. So when you leave the academy as a first classman, you're newly commissioned and you've got your license, then you go into the workforce and you're brand new and you have to learn from everyone around you. You may have a license, you may technically be in charge, but you're green. Like you really need to keep your eyes and your ears open, like know that you don't know and seek help from those who do know. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I, that's huge. That's a huge lesson. And, and you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's like, you have to be humble you know, yep. you, you really do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And in the maritime industry, they don't take that. You know, if you're a fresh, a fresh little King's pointer coming out, <laughs> they're not going to oh, stand yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, no, that's good. That's, that's very, very true. I could just tell you one of the things I learned was that like, um, you know, your license is the same, whether you come from King's point or like a maritime Academy. So when you yes. get to the ship, like, it doesn't matter that you think you're, you know, the next best thing uh, because you went to the yeah. Merchant Marine Academy. Like you all have the same license, <laughs> you know? Yes. So you better like well, lock it up. And yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, and, and throughout my shipping experience, people would ring knock all the time or, you know, knock down some other academy. It's like, oh, well, they went to KP or, or, or he's a, uh, you know, mass guy or whatever. I'm like, it doesn't matter where you went to school. It yeah. matters the job you do. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. All right. So as you're approaching graduation, tell me what the plan was. Uh, my dad had worked for a company for a very long time that had been gone through a lot of name changes and had recently, had recently been bought by OSG, uh, Overseas Ship Holding Group, which is a very large company. Uh, so he was newly part of the OSG corporation and, um, I, because I had that in sort of, I decided to interview with them and they gave me a job upon my, um, receiving of my license. So, yeah. And, and what was that job? Oh, third mate on a tanker. And it, it didn't, I didn't know where I was going until they told me to get on a plane the next day. Okay. Okay. So you just, you got this job with OSG on a tanker. Um, it sounds like you made it through license pretty, pretty well. Yep. Yeah. Graduated or um, passed on the first go, which I was very pleased with. Yes. That is like the greatest day ever. Yeah. So, okay. So you pass license on the first shot, you graduate, you got this job lined up. Um, so, so tell me how that all unfolded. Uh, well, I, I got a phone call and asked me if I could be on a plane in three hours. And, uh, because I live an hour and a half from an airport, I said, no, I can't because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't have any bags packed or anything like that. So I was like, no, sorry, that can't happen. So I missed out on a job. Um, and then a couple days later, I got another call. Can you be on a plane tomorrow morning? Um, and so I got flown out to Long Beach, California on a Friday the 13th and met my ship, which I was like, I'm not going to think that this is a bad sign. And it, it turned out not to be a bad sign. Um, so I met the ship in Long Beach and was waiting on the dock when they docked. And um, so I went and met the captain who after a few weeks of sailing with him, we discovered that he was a classmate of my dad's. Huh. Um, and I ended up sailing with him for eight years. Wow. Uh, yeah. But so I was on that ship for a year and a half before I transferred to a new build. And I was there for six and transferred to another one. So, so you sailed for a long time. Yeah. A little over 10 years. Yeah. Yep. 
And, and what was your experience like? Sail, did you sail with the same company the whole time? I did. Yeah. I stayed with OSG and I just requested transfers when either I saw the writing on the wall that the ship was too old and was going out soon, or uh, there were some personnel changes on board that I was not happy with and just, you know, asked for a transfer. Uh, so I stayed with OSG the whole time and uh, was pretty happy with that because it was non-union. So I got to keep my 401k. Gotcha. And did you do your military commitment in between shipping? I did. Um, and I pretty much just tried to stick with stuff that was close to home. Like I'd go to Baltimore. I think I went to Philly once. Um, but I just go on to like the, uh, the MSC ready reserve fleet ships. Yeah. I would just go and basically do a monthly inspections for them and maintenance for a couple of weeks, which was basically what I was good at. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like you got out of, out of the military when your, when your commitment was up. No. Yes. Yes, okay. I did. And then you sailed for 10 years with OSG. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What was your experience like on the ships? Like during your cadet shipping, you ran into a few people that weren't really thrilled with women being at sea. Um, did you have that experience at all during your actual sailing? I did. Um, it was more from the unlicensed who were not very happy taking orders from a woman. Um, mm. I definitely got a reputation in the SIU union halls on the West Coast mm. because I just wouldn't, I didn't take it. Like, I was like, I'm sorry, you have to do what I say, and I'm keeping your safety in mind. So, but also, you know, it kept the riffraff from coming. The people who didn't want to work or, um, you know, the people who kn knew that it was just because I, I work, I expect everyone else to work, they would come and work with us. So it was okay. So you're saying that there were people that didn't want to work with you because you were a woman and you got a reputation because you were tough? Yes. I, I definitely, there was people who came on board and they didn't, they didn't want to take orders from a woman, but I definitely, it was more the fact that I was tough and I got a reputation for being tough and, um, people didn't want to work with someone who was tough. Mm. And it was very easy to say, oh, there's a girl mate. Like, and it's like, you say there's a boy mate who's tough. They're not, it's harder to pinpoint which ship you're talking about because there are so many, you know, male mates. But um, when you say, oh, there's a girl mate there that's easier to pinpoint and remember for, you know, the fact that there aren't very many of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, well, but overall, it sounds like, did you, did you enjoy that time sailing? I did. I, I was a, a very good mate. I was very good at my job and I really felt powerful because because I was good at it. Um, I never had aspirations to uh, be a chief mate or be a captain because I didn't want that power. I didn't want that workload, but I was a very good second mate. And I loved the fact that I was a very good second mate. Uh, and I loved being out there. You know, I went, we were in Alaska a lot and I loved Washington state and I just loved being, I loved the nature there and the view and I on the on the worst days I could just look around and be like oh yeah this is worth it <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny because you've mentioned that a few times now this whole thing like just the nature being in nature being out you know out in the elements and stuff uh, it sounds like that's really important to you yeah yeah yeah. So, well, so what made you decide to stop sailing then at the 10 year mark ish, the 10 year ish mark? I always knew that I didn't want to sail for a career. I was missing so much at home. Uh, I missed one of my best friend's weddings because I was shipping. I missed holidays. I missed uh, babies being born. You know, I, I, I missed a lot of stuff and I was really sick of missing things. And I also, you know, I'd come home to my 
empty house. And I was like, I want a dog. And I couldn't have a dog because I'd leave the poor dog for three months at a time. And that, you know, so I wanted to come home, be home for all my friend stuff and have a dog. And so it was always, I was working towards the financial goal. So I work as much as I could while staying sane and sock it away and, you know, pay off the house and, uh, you know, build up my retirement and all of that so that I could not stress myself out about money, trying to find a job that fulfilled me in my small hometown. Mm. And where was your hometown at that point? So I live in Chestertown, Maryland, which is just 15, 20 minutes away from where my parents live and where I grew up. And, and it's the biggest town in my county. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, so you had a financial goal. You kind of knew what your plan was. And it sounds like at around that 10-year mark, you reached it. I did. Okay. So what was the plan then? And by the way, it makes sense. Like, cause that life, that lifestyle is you either love it or at some point it starts to limit you, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't entirely sure what the plan of what to do was, but I said, I can't keep sailing and trying to figure out what I want to do at home because I'll just keep failing. I need to actually quit and figure it out at home. So during the last couple of years, my vacations, I would sort of reach out and, um, and see what was around, what possibly could strike my fancy. Um, I did uh, work as a captain for a local outdoor school. They have several historic work boats and they do like um, summer trips on the river with kids and. Uh, you know, it's a lot of uh, talking about science and uh, the environment and uh, living rough on the river. And so I fill in as captain a couple of times for them. And I, I used to go to that school when I was little and uh, loved it. And I really thought that that might be what I wanted to do. But then I um, started working for the college that's here in Chestertown, Washington College as their research vessel captain. And I said, well, I think that this has potential to be more and I could possibly build the program to be full-time. So that's what I had when I quit sailing was this research vessel captain position that was part-time with the, the goal of making it full-time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how long did that last? It actually lasted three years, but, um, I gave my all to that position for a whole year. So I, I was part-time only for a whole year working really hard to market, which I don't know how to do, <laughs> like try to figure out how like different programs that we could get started. And, um, ultimately I just didn't, I didn't have the expertise or the support I needed to make it happen. So at this point, how are you feeling? Because you, you went from this, this pretty big transition, you know, this transition from like being on this rotation with months at a time off, you know, and then months being away to now being in one location in kind of this different type of role, whether it be when you were working with the kids or in this part-time job, um, how did you feel about that whole transition? It didn't really hit me until I was home for about five months that I was just home. And I thought, whoa, I've been here a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it was really nice because I was used to being home for long stretches. But um, after, you know, after that five, you know, four or five months or whatever it was that I thought, woof, I haven't gone anywhere uh, that I thought this was the right choice. And I'm glad that I'm here. Uh, you know, this, I, I will have to find more to fill my time because <laughs> I was starting to get a little bit bored. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when you started pursuing these other opportunities. Yeah. Well, so I was doing the research vessel captain for part, as part time. And I thought there will come a time when I'm bored enough that, or, and also like, I wasn't really making any money doing it and that you know, I'll have to find something else as well. So I was, I was thinking, I, I didn't know what the other thing would be, but I, I 
thought another part-time job was coming down the pike at some point. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's so strange. Cause like the sailing world, um, it is, it's weird. You go through these like highs and these lows of like working and then not working at all. And it's so, um, yeah. when you're at home, it's like all of a sudden you have to find a whole new cadence to living, you know? Um, yes. So, so what did you end up doing? Well, so growing up, I always cooked and baked and I love to um, provide for my friends. So my friends always knew me as a great home baker. And we have a, uh, a small bakery in Chester, here in Chestertown. And uh, through the grapevine, through mutual friends, uh, they, so a friend of mine was talking to one of them and they were bemoaning the fact that they only had one pastry chef and she was just completely overwhelmed and they really needed help. And my friend said, well, you know Abby Robson? She only is part-time at the college. You might want to ask her. She's a great home baker. And they were like, oh yeah, we know her because uh, it's such a small town. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they reached out to me and said, hey, you want to you wanna come bake? <laughs> I said, sure, <laughs> I'll try it. And so I went and I just tried and um, did. Like I just started out as part-time there and found in the other pastry chef, like we are a dream team. And (laughs) yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it and just kept adding more hours. And um, I was still doing the research vessel captain position, but um, not wanting to. Uh, I only just quit. So I did both for like a year and a half or more. And, um, you know, I've been full time at the bakery. I got I got promoted because obviously I have managerial skills and I work hard and, you know, we're just having a wonderful time and the town loves it. (laughs) I love this. I love it. Like I am just so enthralled by your story at this point because like (laughs) it just, it just really, um, it makes so much sense to me. You know, I mean, you have this passion um, and I just love that you, you just kind of like, slid into it but you also transferred your skills you know like your work ethic and your managerial skills and and it I mean to me it's so it makes so much sense but I think in the world people forget that you can hire people that maybe you know like there's just so many skills that can be transferred and you have so many we're dynamic people we have so many interests and I just love that that we got to go (laughs) from sailing on a ship to this bakery and transfer skills and do a good job and love it and tap into a whole other side of yourself. Like, I just love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and interestingly, I never thought that I was a creative person. You know, I was in this very structured, really just like detail oriented, very um, just gritty, grimy job. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you know, do you do art or anything? I'm like, no, I'm not creative. And now I'm like, I am creative. I, yeah. I decorate cakes and I love it. And I just, I found this creative outlet that I never knew I needed. And I so fulfilling. Yeah. I look forward to going in and decorating cakes. It's like, oh. Yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it. And also, also, as someone that dabbled in the whole pastry world myself, owning a bakery, I can tell you that being a pastry chef also requires that meticulousness and that yes. detail orientation and like all that stuff, like being regimented and, and being a pastry chef, they work beautifully together. They do. <laughs> they yes, really they do. do. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so much fun. Now I just want to go there and like try some of your food. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it seriously is just awesome that you've had this, like this amazing, you know, this, this, this sailing career, you got to fulfill this, this, dream from childhood to, to sail. And then now you're tapping into a whole nother side of yourself. And I think that's amazing. Um, yeah, thank you. So, so how long have you been there now? It'll be two years in October. Okay. And what's, what's the plan? At the moment, the plan is to do as many fun things as we can to keep ourselves fulfilled while also mass producing the pastries and the breads that keep the place going. Um, yeah. uh, and to find that balance to, um, to do that, but also we'd love to make it the best bakery in Maryland. (laughs) (laughs) We're already the best bakery on the Eastern shore. So we got that, but awesome. Yeah. I love it. 
I love it. Well, that sounds like a fun goal. Um, yeah. And now looking back, seeing where you are right now, how do you feel about your decision to send, to attend the United States Merchant Marine Academy? Well, it's definitely the right thing for me. Um, I, I had a goal. I had, you know, it may have changed slightly as to what the ultimate outcome of that goal was. You know, I, I went in thinking I want to sail and that's all I want to do. But then I started sailing and I said, yeah, sailing is great, but it's going to get me to this financial place because it is really hard, but it is lucrative. Um, and I, you know, what I took away from the academy and my years sailing was a very solid foundation. Um, I built on you know, the great parenting my parents did at the academy to make a really um, you know, solid, comfortable life. Uh, that I'm proud of. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, by the way, federal oh. service academies are amazing for giving people a, a phenomenal foundation. Um, yes. So I have to ask though, what did your parents think when you decided to leave sailing and, you know, pivot into baking? <laughs> well, apparently I had said to my mom, well, you know, maybe I'll just quit and make cakes. And she thought, kind of rolled her eyes and she's like, well, you said it and now you're doing it. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. love it. Like they, you know, they, they're our best advertisers and uh, they go around, you know, saying, oh, go get your cakes from Evergreen. They make wonderful desserts. And uh, they're very happy that I'm happy. And, um, you know, it's obvious when I talk about it and I talk about it all the time to them and they just beam with happiness that I am content. Yeah. Your, your energy, even in this conversation shifted the minute you got to the cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, you know, I just like clap my hands about the cakes. <laughs> yeah. I love it though. I, I'm so excited for you because it sounds like you're really enjoying what you're doing and, um, it's yeah. a whole new way to express yourself for sure. So I'm yeah. excited to see where you take this, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. And, and actually on that note, like where do you want to take it? I would love to, I, I, I'm a little worried for the future of if I, so Sarah is the other pastry chef. If Sarah and I ever have to part ways for whatever reason, um, and I hope it's never bad, but, you know, people move on to other things, but I would love to have a cake dessert chocolate shop with her someday mm -hmm. because we work so well together. She has such great experience. She went to culinary school and I, I, I love it. I just would love to be able to focus on the pretty little delicious things. Yeah. 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 Well, as someone that dabbled with chocolate, I can tell you that's a whole new world, but that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm excited to see what you do next for sure. Um, uh, all right, Abby, before we go, uh, do you have any parting words for listeners, perhaps a key message to your fellow Service Academy sisters? Um, work towards your goal, but find what makes you happy. So if you're not happy where you are, make a life change. Pivot. Pivot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're certainly living that one. So. Yeah. Um, Took me long enough. <laughs> hey, yeah, but you got to go through that. You know, you yep. do to figure out what it is you want and to get there and to be in the right place and time and all that stuff. So, yep. um, and you got to be brave enough to do it. Not yes. to be cheesy, but it is yep. true because it's not easy. Yes. Um, all right. So finally, I don't know how I can ask you this question. I'm going to say finally, what's one random fun fact about you, but you're already like living the most random fun fact ever. Um, but what is one random fun fact that you can share with listeners about yourself? Oh God. <laughs> uh, let's see. Random fun fact. Did you get the dog? Yes. Oh yes. So when I, when I quit sailing, I, uh, I took a really long trip around the world for 35 days. I came home for two months and I contacted a local border collie rescue uh, saying, 
I know your border collies, but I want a German Shepherd, and I know you sometimes get them, and I'm willing to wait. So then I went on another 40-day round-the-world trip. I come home. My mom picks me up from the airport and said, they, they called me and said they have a dog for you. The next day I went and I picked the dog up and I was home and I had the dog, like I got home from my life, like life transition trips. This <laughs> is great. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, those are just two, like, those are like several random fun facts, like thrown in there, like two round the world trips and a dog. Yeah. So yeah, you got yeah, several at, random at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome, Abby. You, it sounds like you're, you've made some really crazy moves lately, but you love them and you're yes. living a great life. You got your dog, you got your pastry shop. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's it just, it's, it's great to see. It's awesome. Um, and definitely, uh, I think going to be inspiring for people that, you know, are in the Merchant Marine. Maybe you're thinking about doing something random. Who knows? You know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, hopefully. All right. Yeah. Well, let listeners know where they can find you. Ooh. Uh, I'm not super big on social media. Uh, I am on Instagram, Abigail Robson, 1985. I haven't posted in a very long time. I'm also on Facebook, just as me. Um, but okay. I'm just as but I'm just a Facebook stalker. I haven't posted in years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll put those links in the show notes and if people want to find you they'll reach out okay thanks all right abby it was awesome talking to you have fun with your baking and uh, thank you for sharing your story with the rest of the service academy sorority oh you're welcome thank you for having me thanks for listening and don't forget to visit the service academy sorority website to see photos comprehensive show notes and contact information for each guest you can also find us on facebook instagram twitter and linkedin in addition if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.